All right. Welcome to another episode, an all-new episode of Stuff Said. I am your host, Greg Schiegel. Thank you for finding this show, and thank you for listening to it. Today, I bring you part one of a two-part conversation with Scott Koblish. Who is Scott Koblish? More on that in a minute. As it's a two-parter, both parts are going to be released in this month uh, of October, if you're listening to it now. If you're listening to it in November, uh, both parts are available right now. You can listen to them back-to-back. As for this episode, actually this episode and uh, one coming up, these are recorded while I was on the road. So I was using a different recording gear setup situation. So the, the sound quality, particularly of my voice, is not perfect. Not that any of the episodes have necessarily been perfect, but well, you'll hear it. Uh, but I think within, after like 30 seconds, you sort of get used to it. So hopefully it's not horrifically jarring and I don't sound too completely out of place. I think I think it's okay. I, I think it sounds good enough that I'm releasing it. Plus, I think it's worth hearing all the stuff that Scott has to say. So who is Scott Koblish? Scott Koblish has been in the comic book business for... A good long while. Um, I knew him when I started at Marvel. He was an inker, and he's been an inker for a long time. We talk about that quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I, I do this every time, don't I? I start explaining who the person is and realize, oh, wait, we talk about that. I talked to Scott. This this episode is part one of two. We're talking two hours, roughly, give or take. So uh, you don't need me to tell you what you're about to hear. That's a waste of everybody's time. So, I'm going to stop wasting time. Uh, I'll talk more after the part one section. But for now, enjoy this conversation with Scott Koblish. And again, I apologize for the quality of my voice. But again, I don't think it's that bad. So, here is me talking to Scott Koblish. Enjoy it. Started, uh, you've been in this business yeah. for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> I so remember, you're an old man. I remember you from when I was an assistant <laughs> at Marvel. It feels like you had been there already. Yeah, I had been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. you go back even further. I go back even further. When I was a kid, like I would draw off the TV. Like I would look at the TV and I would draw. Okay, so you weren't putting a paper up like it was a light box. No, no. I would just sit there and draw. And then I would just look at the TV for inspiration. I mean, I would look at... Emergency One was my favorite show. I was obsessed with the back of the truck. It was like a U shape, and it had all these um, all these pull drawers. You know what I mean with the emergency stuff. And there was always a shot of it leaving the firehouse. And I would draw. I remember obsessively drawing firemen stuff. My father was a fireman volunteer, so I would just obsessively draw those things. But then I I was drawing all the time, and my mother was like. I guess she was obsessed with my career at that point. <laughs> she was like, do you want to be, you know, what do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be a cartoon. Like, I found out that you could be a cartoonist. Okay. And then my mother was like, well, you want to be a cartoonist. There's a cartoon school in Dover, the Kubert School. And you started and they, there when you were 10. I started there when I was 10, yeah. Uh, there, there was Still everything was in the mansion. And I, th- I don't even think the third... 
I don't even think the first graduating class had graduated. Now, what is this mansion? This is the mansion. The man- Oh, uh, sorry, you don't know. I don't know the mansion. <laughs> really, the mansion. Uh, every Kubert school alumna will their ears will go oh the mansion but uh it was this mansion so there was this the thing about new jersey the further out you got there were a series of like mansions from the 20s and joe when he was starting up the school he lived in dover but sort of a little further away from the mansion uh it was up a little hill and actually the rumor was that joe had a an electric driveway that melt the snow. Okay. And I don't know if it was true or not. I always want to know if it was true. It was one of those things where it was like the students, you know, because uh, everybody felt poor and starving. Sure. That was the rumor that Joe had like an electric driveway. And as a kid, I was just like, electric driveway? Wow. You know, like, who even heard of something such a thing? He could turn on the electricity yeah. and the snow would melt. But I don't know, even know if that's a real thing. Like, that was the rumor going around. <laughs> anyway, so... They have these classes on Saturday at the mansion. So the students would live on the third floor, and then on the second floor, and then on the first floor, and in the basement, there were just different classrooms. And then uh, the first floor, there was uh, Joe's studio, which was this beautiful room. It was a, it was a mansion. Right. You know what I mean? Like wood, wood paneling everywhere, and Joe had all these beautiful originals of, you know, like uh, Flash Gordon, and, and he just had them on the walls, these giant things of Tarzan and stuff like that. And I think he even had a, there was a, a Little Nemo. And I remember because uh, it had just the go- worst god-awful, uh, just black guys with plates in their yeah. mouths. Do you know what I mean? That that whole thing in the 20s where they were like... Is the word you're looking for racist? Yes, yeah, for? that's the word I'm looking for is these horrible... Ra- but, it, but it was just, it was a, a thing. I was scandalized. Anyway, I don't think the first class had even graduated. Um, it was a three-year pro- program. And there was only, like, 10 or 12 people. And the funny thing was is the students, it was Saturday morning. Sometimes they would just wander downstairs in their bathrobes. So you were there as, like, a summer program, not as part of the... No, it was a Saturday program. Okay. It was all year long, and I would go... It was 9 a.m. to 12. But this was obviously a separate thing than the sort of trade school... Yeah, Joe taught. ...degree thing. I mean, okay. that was the nice thing about it is that Joe taught the Saturday class, and then eventually Mike Chen taught, taught the Saturday class. So you're doing Sorry. that at 10? At 10, yeah, yeah. And I did that until I was 16, about 15, 16. And Joe taught the first two, two and a half years that I was there. So. Now, my understanding of that school is, is it is, you know, I don't know if it's an alternative to college, but it sort of is, right? You can get some sort of associate's degree, accredited. Can, it's a real college. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a shorter... It's, it's three years. I don't know why it's three years. I never really was able to figure out why it was When you graduate years. from the Cuba School, what is your degree? Uh, your degree is... I don't know. I never graduated from the <laughs> I went to SVA. Okay. Because I had gone to the Cuba School, and when it came time, you could choose sort of RISD or SVA or... or uh, and I, I, had, I had seen what Joe had to offer, mm-hmm. although not super up close. And I was also really conscious of the fact that uh, at the school, I mean, Joe really drilled it into my head at age 10. He's like, you'll... It's a really hard business. You're not going to re- maybe even get find work. Do you know what I mean? Which is different, which is weird because like at... You're 10. Yeah, I'm 10. I mean, I remember Joe, I, I would talk a lot. I would I would just manically talk. I, I could get Joe talking too. <clears throat> I would just have him talk. He did an hour lecture at the beginning and I would just get him to stretch it to like an hour and a half if I could 
get him worked up. Because yeah. I would just poke at him. I would just poke at him. Because I was 10 and I was a dick. <laughs> you know, I would just go like, uh, uh, is that... Because he would, t- you know, full front and then uh, quarter, three quarters view profile. Like he would have drawn, you know, is that the only ones you can draw? Oh, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And he'd go, no, nah, you can, but this is the, and Joe was a huge guy. He was like, he worked out. So he was kind of a big guy. And I remember Joe taking me aside and saying, uh, you talk a lot. And I was like, yeah, yeah uh, you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, oh. Sorry, and he was like, "You talk a lot," and and he's like, "I got to tell you that this is the loneliest job <laughs> that anyone can ever have," you know. And I was like ten. I was just like, "Uh," he's <laughs> like, "Because you're going to be alone. You're not going to be with other people. You're going to spend an eternity alone, and you're going to have to you just going to have to do the work, you know." Because I wasn't. I was always goofing around. Yeah. It's like you have to settle and settle in and do the work. And so I was like, Jesus Christ. So in terms of, in terms of context, yeah. um, how old how old are you relative to the Adam and Andy? Adam and Andy were older. They were floating around. Okay. I don't know that they were in the program. Joe, had, he was an editor as, as well at the time, but he was kind of like a – he edited his own books like Sergeant Rock. So he would have these eight-page backups and the – the boys, the, they would do lettering. I mean, Andy and Adam, they kind of did lettering mm-hmm. for things. And they were kind of drifted into the program. I don't know. Joe has like five or six kids. And uh, not all of them. He only has two. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the other ones are sucked about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like uh, Jeremy Sr. He's, he's got a couple other kids, too. Just one. <laughs> just one. <laughs> just the one. <laughs> so, uh, so they were sort of floating around, and I don't even know how they wound up in the program. And of course, Joe would have been, you know, you can go to the school, but I'm not giving you any preferential yeah, yeah. treatment, you know, that kind of thing. Where you know, they're probably about eight years older than I am, ten okay. years older. And then, of course, I would see like uh, Tom Yates and and other guys who were working on Swamp Thing and Jan Dersima, and I'd see them all floating around using the Xerox machine and stuff like that. But they were crazy, <laughs> dirty hippies. Yeah. And it was kind of spooky. Like, I was, you know... You're a like, little kid. Yeah, I was 10, and it's 1980, and they're all... It was always Saturday morning, so they're always recovering, you know? Yeah. Like, they're just kind of crazy, dirty hippies where you were just like, do I talk to them or not? And, right. All right, so then from there, you go to SVA. Yeah, I went to a a trade school in in high school for commercial arts where I learned paste-up and mechanicals. Stuff I use to this now. I don't use any of that stuff at all. But but there's a fundamentals to that, to understanding how it works. fundamentals, yeah, yeah. That helps. And also, it was a class where it was four hours, and the teacher was like, you sit in your chair and you shut up. And you do your work, which was intense. Like he was like, it was another one of those things where it's a lonely job. You have to be a self-starter. You really have to decide when you're getting up, when you're working. And uh, there you went to SVA. I went to SVA. And uh, SVA, the first year is like a everything kind of Foundation. Class. And I thought I wanted to take that because I didn't really study. I, I was just conscious of not being able to paint. 
not being able to do all that stuff. And then yeah, at the end of that year, I was very conscious of still being able to not paint and not do. So the stuff. first year foundation at SBA did not give you that foundation. Yeah, yeah, it did. Well, it was tough because, and especially the 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 paint. Like uh, there was a graphic design class where they did. It was you had to work in oils, but it was uh, you had these these things that would dry the oil. And, I, and of course, I'm taking oil paintings back and forth from New Jersey to New York. Ugh. And on the subway, it was just a mess. And um, I didn't last a month at SVA. I went for one month, oh, really? and I'm like, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. like this. And I was in the city. And it I was didn't tough. Like it. I almost quit the first year. Well, actually, I, I figured the first year was I was learning stuff. Second year, I started, and then the cartooning classes. The students were fucking. They were awful. <laughs> they were awful. Every single one of them. Like every one of my like peers, awful people are just not good at drawing. Just awful people. Like okay. like there's a, there are a few exceptions like Mike Leung and, and Derek Dryman and Phil Jimenez and uh, Nelson, but. Like Nelson the, De Castro. Nelson De Castro, okay. and and but the thing was, is the the rest of the students were there to fuck around or something. I don't know. I was like, I'm sitting in this class, and it's with, uh, you know, Harvey Kurtzman, and Harvey's having a lot of difficulty at that point because he has Parkinson's, and he's like, he's standing up in front of everybody, and I swear, I thought it was Sarah Dyer, but I don't know. It's, there was a woman who was there to sort of co-teach his class. Okay. And, he, you know, Harvey would get up and he'd kind of go, well, you know, when I did this, I would do, you know, this particular thing first. And then these students at the back of the class, they'd be just talking. And he would stop. He'd go, can we quiet down? And they would just keep talking. And then he would lose his place because he's got Parkinson's. Yeah. And that was it. Like, you're just like... When do I get to learn in this class? You know, so I almost quit the first year. I almost went over to Kubert School. Or I should have quit, actually. I should have gotten some sort of job at Marvel. And then actually participated in the fact that everything was selling really well back when I was in college. Yeah. What year, around, joined, around what year was that? This is uh, 89. Okay. Maybe, yeah, that would have been. about quitting. And uh, Image had come out and everyone would bring in Image stuff. And I, had, I didn't have any money since high school like i had a couple jobs in high school and then i had a couple jobs in college but i was always paying for everything i mean yeah. there was an atm that would actually uh, distribute fives that i knew about because i was at 17 dollars in my account yeah, yeah. i could get three fives but i couldn't get a 20 out of yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was this thing was precious to me like this one bank anyway so i, I was just starving and i was trying to get through and i, I was having a lot of troubles commuting because i was commuting every day from dover my girlfriend worked in pennsylvania so Oof. yeah so she would commute over to, to pennsylvania and i would commute over to new york from dover and of course the cubert school is in dover like i i would get my art <laughs> supplies from dover and then i would get on the train for an hour and a half transfer at hoboken you know and then get on the path and then get over to the class yeah brutal yeah for like a three-hour class it took me three hours to get in and out you know it was just a nightmare it was really i don't know why i did it to myself and you went the full the full four years i went the full four years i don't now, know why i went the full four years but one thing i do want to talk to you about <laughs> it, it, it. <laughs> <laughs> you've made me realize that i shouldn't have done it I hadn't thought about it in years. Yeah, I, I thought it was... Because the, the comics was booming. It was all hands on deck. I remember I was... I, I graduated from college, and uh, I'm working a job, because uh, I was trying to get into comics, but I was working a job selling 
videotapes door to door in business districts. You could, didn't do it at houses, but you went to <laughs> like door to door businesses. And I was doing really well at that. I, I, I was making a ton of money. But uh, <clears throat> I was miserable because uh, the rejection was intense. The rejection, the rejection that you had. I mean, c- people called the cops on me. So the cops pulled me over at one point, and I got so pissed off that I got pulled over because I had to deal with all sorts of stuff. It was like snowing. It was miserable, and the cops had pulled me over, and I was so pissed off. I the next stop I did was I went to the police station. I went up to the desk, desk sergeant. And I said, "I hear you guys are interested in my product," <laughs> and I plopped one down, and I sold three. Like, I was like, I was like, I was so pissed off. So even as an adult, you're like mouthing off. Oh, yeah, I have a lot of, a lot of problems. Yeah, I can't deal with it. It's really hard, you know. Like, I have troubles even with, like, you have to know that I'm a dick in order to deal with, like, how well or how badly a conversation goes with me. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, I remember coming into your office a lot and wanting to just be, like, crazy. But you guys were so quiet in there. And Tom, especially, would never look up from his desk. Right. So I remember trying to get Tom's attention. But, of course, he's busy talking to Pusiek about Galactus. Yes, that did happen. And, and it's just tough. Like, you know, you're just sitting there. You're like, hey, I'm here. I have the same problem with TV. Like, if I wander in, I have a friend. He doesn't have TiVo. I wander into his house. I go, hey, how you doing? And he can talk to me during the commercials. Yeah, but as soon as the commercial's over, he's like, "I'm watching," and I'm like, "Why don't you get a DVR?" Like, yeah, I just I feel it. like I'm a, I'm a live human being, and this is furniture. Do you know what I mean? Like that that TV there, that's furniture. It takes up one percent of your room, and it's taking up ninety nine percent of your attention. It's it's, it's wrong. It's, <laughs> and that's why I like DVRs because it's uh, it's it's you can stop, you can pause it. So then, all right, one thing I want to talk to you about, SVA-related. Yeah. So you went to SVA? I went to SVA for a month. You paid? I got money back. Did you? Yeah. They give it back? They give you some. They give me some back. They don't give it all back. No. But I I did the math, and I figured if I leave right now, I'll get most of it back. (laughs) Really? And What did you do? How do you mean? Well, you... I mean, did you run into the streets? Like, what, did you have a place to live? Did you... Yeah, no. What happened was I'd, I'd gone up there for my first college experience out of school. Yeah. And I remember starting there. I was in foundation. And the whole time, like, I don't like this. I don't... This is not what I signed up for. Oh, yes, yeah. it was foundation here. But you must but have he, known that it was... But even beyond that, it was, a, it, was a, it was a school in the city, and they had me living on the Upper West Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, like, a weird tough. hotel. Yeah. But my thing was, I knew, I knew to draw comics, you yeah. didn't have to go to college. No, you don't have to. Yeah. So I figured I'll go to art school. I'll get really good, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to go to college. Like right. I figured the experience of college was worth, yeah, worth yeah, the something. Yeah. SBA and SBA was not bad. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was debating whether to leave or not. And then at one point, the dean of the illustration department or the cartooning department had called me out of, I think it was painting class. Really? And he had me go to his office. And I'm like, all right, what's going on here? And he goes, you know, I, I have to tell you, I, I hate to do this, but we're, we're going to have to ask you to leave the school. And my reaction was, oh, my God, that's awesome. I was thinking about leaving. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, like, dropped back. Like, whoa, whoa what? I was, I was kidding. Oh, really? Why yeah. was he kidding to you? He's what? like, I was calling you in to let you know that we got your AP credits from high school. And, yeah, yeah. you know, you're getting this many oh, credits okay. towards your degree. Oh. And I was like, oh, well, I yeah, I, want, I, I still want to leave. <laughs> I still <laughs> really why and I, I told them what the reason was you know I can't argue that I can't we don't have a campus we don't have these things yeah 
Yeah, I was like, I want to see people playing frisbee, even though I don't want to play frisbee. I want to see it happening. Like you know, this like this was your idyllic college life. It turns out, it turns out they were playing hacky sack. But yes, I would see it on on the campus of <laughs> at like, University of Florida. I have this dream of a campus. Yeah, somewhere I've seen movies. Yeah. <laughs> Did you tell him this? You were like, you guys don't have frisbee. Here. No, you no. didn't have any. I think I did. Sports. I think I did say it. it's like I want to see. You know, I don't want to join a frat, but I want to know that there's a frat there. Well, that's true. SV didn't have that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he couldn't argue that. He's like, that's fine. I figured out all the paperwork, and then I just went back to Florida. You went to SVA when Will Eisner was teaching there. Yeah, sure. That was why I stayed, because uh, Harvey was not doing well. Mm-hmm. So Harvey's lectures were kind of a mess. Uh, but, uh, but Will was... Yeah, let's talk, let's talk for yeah, 10 yeah. minutes about Will Eisner. Sure, all right, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I took his eight-week workshop. Oh, you did? Yeah, that he in was Florida. doing in Florida. Yeah. Because the thing was, he was always missing. <laughs> some, he, would, he would come in, Will's class was every other week. And uh, Andre LeBlanc would do the other, every other class, and Will would would teach. He was flying up from Florida, where where I imagined his life was just playing golf or in tennis. He loved tennis. Like he would talk about tennis all the time, and he would come up in his little suit, right? And he would fly up just for the class, and then he would fly back. I would see him. I think it was once a week for eight weeks for three hours. It's summer or during the. Can't remember. I know it was eight weeks. It might have been every other week, but I think it was For every week. how many week. hours? It was three. Okay, yeah, sure. It was that awesome. Right. Yeah, it was great. But yeah, well, but, well so I got in all sorts of... I remember, you've mentioned so, yeah, this. Yeah, I, yeah. Want to, I want you to, once again, tell a tale of Scott Colbush. <clears throat> well, Will, actually, there's one thing I do use, actually, from Will. That to this day... Scott has Will gotten up, thing. <clears throat> moved over to the table, yeah. brought back a Will pencil. Will had a thing where he would take the pencils and he would use, He had this thing where you would use them all the way down because he couldn't stand like using the pencil until you couldn't hold it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so he had a thing that he had made, and I found one recently. There's a Uniball vision light that you can take off the, the main part. You can just slip the pencil in, and it's tight. So, have, yeah. like, to this day, I still use one thing that Will taught me. That's the only thing? No, I'm sure there's more things. But I can't use I can't use uh, some of the stuff that he... He would do all sorts of panel borders that were, that were really kind of rough. Yeah. And oftentimes, like, the rain would make the panel border or pouring water would make the panel border. Yes. I can't do that kind of stuff in comics. Why not? Why not? Because the editors, they lose their... You know what I mean? Like, they're like, <laughs> a panel border is a square thing. You know what I mean? Like, you can't... Some Some do. Some do the ones I've run into. Well, I know. maybe I don't. Maybe I'm limiting myself. But I think that I think that that kind of stuff people would lose their minds if they had to run across it. His, his thing was storytelling. His first thing and was foremost. storytelling. Will had Will Will's thing was was storytelling, but it was also it was owning your own stuff was really Will's thing. Because what had happened is in the '40s he had done the Spirit. But he had owned all of it, and they had done it as an eight-page insert in, right. in uh, uh, newspapers. And uh, he wandered away from comics for about 20 years. He did, um, he did educational, yeah, educational pamphlets, and, pamphlets and, and books and things for the Army and stuff like that. And uh, uh, it was always driving me crazy because I was like, well, you left. Like, you came back to comics after you retired, and you're giving me crap. Like, I'm trying to take... Like, especially when I started in comics, I was like, I'm trying to take any job I can to get in. Yeah. And he was like, don't do that. 
you know, and I was like, well, it's not the same as it was back in 1940 or 1930-something or other. But I think he was right. It just would have been really hard. I always needed money to yeah. make my bills. So, and I always wanted to make it on my own. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to have to rely on anybody, um, girlfriends or parents or anything like that. So I was really always trying to make it on my own. And I felt that, you know, just, I felt it was going to be really difficult to, to make it on my own. And it is. It is. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a choice that I should have done. I would have been in a different place. Well, let's, let's jump into that. Let's go right to that. Cause you, when I first knew you. You were yeah. Scott Cobus, you were an inker. I was an inker. I fell into it by accident. Actually, uh, when I was a kid at the Cubert School, Mike Chen had told my mother that I would be an inker. Interesting. Yeah. He was like, I can't follow any of his storytelling. Do you know what I mean? But he'll, he's pretty good at with the brush. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know? just hearing, you know, knowing you and hearing sort of just the story you were just telling, it's, you, you grew up around... You got Joe Kubert, Will yeah, Eisner, Will Eisner yeah. um, and Will. I learned a lot of inking stuff from. Actually, Will was. But these really guys were good. drawing with ink. Well, that's it. Like Will would uh, Joe, especially would just do a, a blue line oval, right. and then take a brush out and then just draw the face in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I didn't think the blue line oval was for our benefit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it was like here's where you start, and it, uh, that was the thing with Joe. Like he was so past. He he never learned how to do. Wire figure stuff was not even something he really even bothered with, except in layouts. Well, he was already seeing it before he was he already had to seeing it because he started when he was thirteen, so he just started with a brush. You know, yeah. he would just start drawing with a brush. I've seen him do it. There was a there's a video I saw of him and John Romita Senior. And if you want to know the difference between those two guys, that this is exactly it. John sat there and he he laid out everything and tightened it up and he penciled it and then he inked it. And Joe, I swear to God, just started in one corner with a brush. <laughs> <laughs> and he drew like the wings on Hawkman. He got over to where the head, the body was. Drew the other wings, and then went over to. Yeah. He literally just drew it then and there. And John had a poor John. He was because he's John has labored over every single line. I think that he's ever done. Yeah. And if you start doing that, you're going to continue doing that to 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 madness. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think that that's kind of. I mean, from what I understand of John now, he plays piano because I think that, like, you got to the point where it's just madness. Like, you're, like, worried about, like, everything. And then, and then, and Joe has a completely different attitude toward it. Joe is just, he would use different tools for different things. We, there was an apocryphal thing where uh, Neil Adams had asked, and I'd heard this at the school, Neil Adams had asked Joe, what, what tools you use? And Joe was like, whatever one's around! Yeah. You know, like, that was it. Like, he was like, whatever I got. Like, that's it, you know. And it was, to him, it was a stupid question. Yeah, I think, I've said that that's a stupid question. Or whoever it was that asked him, you know, it was an important question, you know. I mean, like, what what tools do you use? Whichever works. And for Joe, he would actually, he would take, like, a a pen, he would take a brush, and he would just do different textures and different things with it. Mm -hmm. Like, if Joe saw a rock, he had a particular way of, of inking a rock. Yeah, and if you saw a wing on Hawkman, it's a different brush or pen for the wings. You just pull out a different thing and and just use it for that. And it was—it's almost schizophrenic, but it's—it's the right tool for the right job. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I don't normally do that. I—I try and make things fit. It's not like to me. Like sometimes I'll just use a tool for because you can get different 
things from different tools, and sometimes it's okay to get different things from different tools. Joe had a specific thing. Like, if he ever drew Hawkman's wing, there was one way he kind of yeah. would do it. You know, and he probably he made the whole thing faster and more efficient. And Yeah, it was probably way better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Maybe not better, but faster. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, um, you know, the three, the three lights in my, in my life as growing up was Joe Kubert, Will Eisner and, and John Romita Sr. Right. And those are the two, there was the three people that I paid most attention to. Now, of those three, John Romita was the only guy that didn't himself, right? No, John Romita Sr. didn't himself. He did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was doing Spider Man. And... Well, what happened with John is that he was really good at inking. He had a beautiful fucking line, unbelievable, with a brush. And uh, what would happen is that John, John would be. He was valuable to Stan because uh, John could correct anything and make it look gorgeous. There was a certain snap to John's yeah. faces, the women faces especially, just because he came out of advertising as well. If you ever seen any of his advertising paintings, they were gorgeous, you know, like Coke cans and bottles and women standing there with the... But he, uh, John had a specific thing, but he would, he was really good at inking. And for him, it was finishing the thing. Like someone would give him just a wireframe or, or yeah. if you ever seen the, the Gil Kane stuff that Gil would do, it looked like Gil, but by the time that John was done with it, he changed everything. And the same, and, and that's the thing with, with, uh, with Will, he would think with the brush too. Yeah. And with jo- uh, Joe, he would think of the brush and then John, he would he would change everything with a brush, but he was thinking really, really hard about what he was changing and why he was changing it. Whereas those other guys were just, there were, there was no consideration. And even I learned how to, to ink with a, I, I used to letter with a brush too. Wow. Like, and, uh, I used to kind of ape Eisner's line, which was a little shaky and a little kind of rough. And when I got to Marvel, you can't ink like that. I literally had to throw everything I'd ever learned about, like, what my style was. That was the first time I threw all that stuff out. Yeah, especially Kubert and Eisner are both very sort of loose, feathery. Feathery. They're really obsessed with the the texture. The The only guy gets away with that now is Tom Palmer. Yeah, Tom can do it. uh, And Klaus uh, to a certain degree. Klaus to a certain degree. Klaus has, uh, if you look at Klaus, Klaus has a whole bunch of, like, ticks, like, and it's that, it, you know, the top line is really thin and the bottom yeah. line is like about as thick as my arm. You know what I mean? And I, I remember Joe, Joseph Rubenstein does the same thing. And, I, and the first time I talked to Joseph, he was like, <laughs> I've met him a whole bunch of times. The, the, he, was, he was like, uh, I was like, oh, I like your Captain America stuff because uh, just off the top of my head, that was the yeah. first thing I thought about. And, of course, he's very confrontational about stuff. He'll go, well, what did you like about it? And I said, well, what I liked about it is that you made choices I would never have made. <laughs> and that started yeah. our relationship. It's been like that for years now. In fact, the last time I saw him, he was like, how do you get work? And then I, I remember thinking, oh, he's asking me, you know, how I would approach an editor. And then I thought, later, like a, a day or two later, I was like, no, what he was asking me was like, how do you get work? Yeah, the accent was on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead like, of on do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe that's it. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I, I don't know. Everyone I love. I love uh, all these people, especially Inkers are a really weird bunch of people. They're really kind of odd. They have to be odd because it's an odd skill. There's a sort of thing that I wanted to ask you about, which is as an Inker who always drew and wanted to be penciling i remember even as an assistant you brought pen i think there were titans pages that's what i seem to remember oh yeah yeah sure okay i did bring in stuff all right okay i always worry that i was never telling enough people i remember you bringing in titan stuff and i and in hindsight i can sit and go i was 23 yeah what did i know from anything 
Well, this is the that's they're all still twenty thirty. I mean, I guess <laughs> I get older, but the, the assistants are still. But I guess in theory, I had drawn a couple of comics, so I guess I at least had that rung on yeah, my sort yeah, of achievement true. list. Yeah, yeah, I'd even inked over you a couple times. You did I for did creative services stuff. Creative service. I, <laughs> what happened is I remember getting something of yours and not talking to you about it. I had to do it overnight. Yeah, no, that was an X Man cover. Yeah, and I remember thinking this needs to be roughed up. I don't know why I thought that, that's but fine. I was like, this needs to be roughed up. But it's a great disservice to your stuff because your style is very cartoony and, and smooth and do you right. know what I mean the yeah I do that, I would definitely remember you squared off his feet oh I did the really? toes you sort oh, of like okay. sharpened yeah, yeah. them up which is fine I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, trust me I had no real emotional commitment to that cover well the funny thing is, is uh, in our industry the I draw the same way you draw like uh, you're, you're a little bit more bouncy yeah but but I have if I fall into it, I, this is just I have an open style. It's kind of round and bouncy, and uh, it's, it's like a deep shame for me. Do you know what I mean? Like in <laughs> comics, because like literally, like the people who all everyone always points to as like the leading lights in our industry are all these angular, deeply carved in things with a ton of lines. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's really like. Like it's it's kind of like being um, Captain and Tennille in a world of, of Metallica bands. Well, I wonder how much of that comes from, <laughs> for specifically the almost a touchstone of Will Eisner, because like, he is somebody that I had again. Even yeah. that eight weeks was a super huge. I remember going into that class, and he would assign you know draw two pages, bring them back next week. Draw two pages, bring them. Back. That was always the assignment. You had to draw two pages, and I. Remember after bringing the first two pages, he tore them down. Yeah, he all on that. storytelling. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, just yeah. broke the storytelling down, and I loved it. I oh, was really? A, it okay. was it was the greatest thing that could have happened because up until then, you have your peers. They don't. We don't know what we're talking about. We're seventeen, eighteen years old. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. And your teachers, who just like you draw so well, that doesn't do anything for you. Yeah. So having him, like almost like a not that I ever served in the army, but that sort of that break you down to teach you. A new? Yes, Will liked that doing that. And yeah, he definitely yeah, yeah. sort of like broke me of a lot of habits that were in comics in the early 90s. So angular panels and like mm-hmm. weird close-ups and things that wouldn't help the narrative. Yeah. And then just seeing, I remember him talking about backgrounds, being like, listen, don't do your perspective lines and you're, you're all, just draw it and then correct it. You know, draw the city. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And correct it. And then it check it. Yeah, if it yeah, looks yeah. wrong, you could fix it. But, you know, he was very much a cartoonist. Yeah. Like, get it on the page yeah. and make sure it's clear and you're telling your story, your voice is in it. And, you know, that was such a sort of, it left such an, like a mark on me. Yeah, sure. That I have a lot of trouble with, I mean, I like looking at some of it. But some guys are so intricate in their work that you go, at what point are you no longer a cartoonist and you're just an illustrator? Yeah, yeah, and, and then, especially there's guys now that use these. They'll just Photoshop something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a photograph of yeah. something. They'll just they'll hit they'll hit a button in the, in Photoshop, and it'll look slightly different. And they're like done. Yeah, but, but it no, seems to be a lot of work too, because you got to take the right photo. Like it seems to me, I could never take a good photograph because every time I took it, I was just like. I wouldn't, you know, life does not give me the proper composition. Yeah. And in comics, I can draw the proper, well, what I would assume is you the can proper. Bend things, you can, you can bend things, you can move stuff, you can sham things together, you can change things. If a car is in the scene and it doesn't quite fit, you can fudge it. How much of the way you draw, because you've been inking for so long with so many different oh, people. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, from your sort of really sort of graphic guys like a Ron Garney. 
Yeah. To maybe not the godfather of detailed artwork, but one of them, George Perez. George Perez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of these guys that just like put it all there. There's not, you know, not a yeah, stitch sure. missing. But then I look at your work, and there's obviously a certain cartoonist. I feel like there's John Byrne in there. There's a lot somewhere. of John Byrne in there. You know, especially looking at your X-Men first class stuff. It's like... Well, that I was really looking at the source material. Right. I was trying to make sure that everything kind of matched up. So to that end, mind. so you do that and you did, um, you've done some licensing work. You've, you yeah. sort of have this chameleon ability to sort of adapt to whoever you're working over or I what try. you're working on. Yeah, Jetpack Pets too was yeah. wildly different from any of the other stuff. Has has the Scott Kobush of... You know, ten to eighteen years old. Whatever you were drawing, like whatever that style direction you were going in, is that lost? That's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? How? Like, what happened to you? No, not what happened to you, but <laughs> like, is there? How do, how do I how do I ask the question? Do you ever think like I want that guy back? And then, is there a way to do it, or are you like this is what I do? <laughs> I am, I am the chameleon in terms of drawing. And I will draw to whatever the assignment is. Yeah. Um, when I sit and draw, you know, I've always I've always keyed off of people around me because even the stuff that I was doing back then was heavily Kubert. And then when I was in college, it was heavily Will Eisner. I mean, I even I remember inking over. Eisner inked over me on this one thing, but I remember inking the rest of it and trying to keep a similar kind of line. And I was really, I was, I was okay with a shaky brush because I didn't even use quills at that point. I was really okay with just using a shaky brush. That was, it was almost like a, like a broken kind of hairy line that had like lots of uh, pushes and pulls and, and like, it would it would be super thin and then it would be like for no reason kind of square and blocky do you know like it was this weird i even still have some stuff i can i can locate it but i no i i don't know i don't really know like when you pencil something <laughs> yeah so you've you've come across something that I, I am deeply conflicted about, you know. Like yeah. this is something I've thought, I've given a lot of thought toward. Like when you pencil something and you turn it in and you're happy with it because obviously you turned it in. And I'm you're never ha- happy with it. It's, well, it's, it's turned in. Is that why? It, are you never happy with it because you never feel like you're specifically drawing to your? Oh sh- wow! To the way you sort of feel like you can draw, but you're constantly trying to sort of meet an expectation. Like I'm drawing X Men first class. It has to look like. The source material. So yeah, you're doing I tried that. to make it look like the source. Well, I was happy doing it that way too. Right. It wasn't as if I was miserable doing it. I, I, I for comics. See, because we, when I was at the Cubert School, when I was very young, they would have us draw life drawings because there was enough people that were just drawing comics. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they would have us draw a lot of life drawing. And I remember going to summer classes at SAI and all these things that I would do where the focus was not on cartooning and you would draw life. And the, the thing about drawing from life is that you're not going to get it. It's a, it's a two-dimensional representation on a three-dimensional, of a three-dimensional world. You're not going to quite get it. And I remember illustration classes too. You would sit there and you would try and, and draw... But even then, I was picking up stuff like from the way that John Ruggeri would draw. I would kind of draw that way too. So what would wind up happening is that you just key—I would key into how everybody around me was drawing, and I would try and learn as best I could. But it was really just me trying to fit in and not get hit. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like I was always the second or third best draw artist in the class, no matter what class it was. Yeah. So I, I just was very conscious of being able to fit in and excel at whatever it was. Do you know what I mean? So that like, I really tried very hard to, when I got to, to Marvel, I, I, that's the first time I picked up a quill. I think we were doing backgrounds for uh, Keith Williams because uh, I needed to supplement my income because I was only making four twenty five an hour before taxes, which was three thirty an hour. And then of course Marvel was like, "Well, you take a lunch break," so I was only being paid for thirty five hours out of the week, and um, it was just really difficult for me. I needed to have I needed to have other sources of income, and Keith was a godsend because he would come in and say, "Can you do the back the backgrounds?" of this particular thing. And I would say, yes, I can do that, you know? Mm. And I learned a couple little tricks like taking the ruler and, and using the quill to make like, you know, these shock lines where it was thick on one end and thin on the other. I could, like, I looked at it, it was some Grinberg stuff. And I remember looking at the thing and going, Oh, how the hell do you do that? You know what I mean? Like, do you take the ruler and like draw a thick line, you know, like a line here and then do like a triangle? Right, create a wedge. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. And then, and Keith taught me, you know, and I've used that ever since. But uh, but I was doing this this thing where I would I would I would do these background inks, and that's how I even fell into inking because I knew how to do the back. When I when I beca- when I got to the Raiders program, when I, the first thing I stepped in, Chris Renkowitz was the guy in front of me, and Bill Wiley was the guy behind me, and neither of them knew how to ink. And the Raiders program is is Ramita's Raiders is the Marvel bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, the Raiders program was started by Jim Shooter, who actually, so it's weird. I owe Jim, you know, my my career in some sort of way. All right. It was started by Jim as an apprentice program, also to sort of help out with uh, art corrections. So we were Ramita's Raider. We were supposed to come and raid the artwork and disappear as if we were never seen. Ghosts. And I remember my first experience with... with also, with coming in and meshing in, I came in and I started drawing. There was a there was a GI Joe project, and uh, I had to correct an arm, and I redrew the arm, did everything I could, uh, and it looked spectacular, spectacular fucking arm, beautiful. <laughs> and I brought it up to uh, normally it was Steve Geiger was the guy who was in between me and John, uh, but uh, it was uh, Art Nichols, and I brought it to Art. And um, Art said, uh, this arm is too good. Like, you, you haven't drawn it in the style right. of the thing. Like, you need to make sure that you're not visible here. And I was like, oh. And, and what I started doing was, like, that's really when I started, like, meshing styles, like, trying to figure out exactly what it was. And I was a real stickler for it. And, I, I you know, as a, as a result, I wound up being very good at the job. Mm-hmm. But it was a job that I, I was getting four twenty-five an hour for. I had to get out of it. And, and you're uh, invisible. And you're invisible. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. Like, Scummy is there. Yeah. And he's still there. He was actually uh, the guy who... The guy who replaced me. There were a couple guys who were only there for like a month or two, and uh, uh, Scummy came in, and I remember, I remember still being around enough to sort of show Scummy a few things. It's not like I taught him everything I did. <laughs> it was just a few things. Yeah. I was like, you know, and I taught, uh, uh, you know, you, you pass on just survival skills yeah. as a raider. You're like, look, you know, here, do this, and Scummy's like. 
he's still there, like 15, 16 the last, years there. The last, the last of the Raiders yeah. there, yeah. Because they fired everybody there. They fired everybody on the program, and they hired him back at, at one guy, Scummy, back at 15 an hour. And it was just like, why did you do that? Like, everybody was 425. And a friend of mine was like, well, they were trying to get rid of the benefits. I was like, what benefits? I didn't have any benefits. Like, there weren't... If I if I got hit by a cab, that they were like, whoa. Yeah. So your arm still work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you hope that your arm still works. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I started as a raider, and actually, it's funny because I was selling the, the videotapes door to door and crying just before I left. I, I remember a couple times crying in the car, like sitting in the driveway before you went on the videotape yeah, route. Before I went on the videotape route, yeah, where I would drop off the tapes. Anyway, so the way I got the raider job was uh, Marstown had a little mall, and John Romita Senior was there. I don't know why he was like <laughs> signing stuff. There wasn't okay. even a comic shop in the mall. He was just in the mall, and there was a little table in the middle of the mall, and it was a, it was a mall that wasn't even complete. Like okay. there was still construction always going on in that mall, and I and a girlfriend of mine at the time was like, "You'll regret yourself if you don't bring in your portfolio." Because I had a portfolio, and I brought it to him, and I showed him, and he said, "Well, send me Xeroxes," and I did, and I sent him Xeroxes, and then he wrote back and he said, "Change this and this and this," and I didn't know, you know, like I was like, "All right," I changed, you know, what I could, and then I kept pestering him. I was like, "So, when should I send stuff to to the editors?" You know, like what? How should I do this? And he was mm-hmm. like, "He was like, you're becoming a pest." He's like, "Let me tell you right now that there's a fine line, and you're becoming a pest." And I was like, "Oh shit." So uh, I didn't talk to him. And then eventually some uh, Steve Geiger called me up later and said, well, we're losing a Raider. So they were losing the guy who inked mm-hmm. in the Raiders. And they hired me. And uh, that was the thing. The other guys didn't know how to ink. So I, I would just ink. Like that's I wound up getting sucked into it. And I remember even Joe telling me, Kubert telling me, like, if you don't want to be an anchor, don't ink. Like you will get, you'll get lost in it. You'll always be doing it, and it's true. Like I'm even falling into it again with with DC, because uh, when I'm making over George, it's not a problem for me. I, it's it takes so little time. It's time. all there. It's all there. I don't have to change. Yeah. I, don't have to, like, I can add little things here and there. Like if I get kind of nutty, I'll put words in like like a newspaper in the background. But it's more. It's more at that point. It's a mechanical job. Yeah, it's I a mean, mechanical job. It's it's very easy. George has solved all the problems yeah. for it. it. He's done a great job. It's always solid. It's always the storytelling is uh, without peer. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And so, inking over him was a breeze. But you know, I always I I never try and tell people that it, people always go oh my god it looks so difficult and yeah. i'm like it's not <laughs> it's incredibly easy but I, I try not i don't want anybody else to take that gig you know? oh. <laughs> but anyway i've been i've been falling into it at dc you know what i mean like what happens is that they go oh hey can you do six pages here and i'm like yeah sure you know but uh, but i i'm really not happy inking well i know a few years there. ago you, I remember you telling me that even when you were in New York and you were working over at Marvel, yeah. Tom Brevoort said, Scott Colbush, our best local inker. No, that was Mark Powers. It was Powers that yeah, said it? Yeah, it was Mark Powers. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that was like a comment that while well, meant as a compliment, it was meant as a compliment. But I cut said, to the oh, core. I, I gotta leave. Out. I gotta get out of here. Yeah, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm like I'm taking the local out of this. You know what I mean? I was like, I, now I, what I, was I, it about that comment that sort of that like ripped right through you? Well, I asked for it. That was my problem. I was like, what's my rep around here? Because what was happening is that um, back in '99, I was getting I was getting fewer and fewer gigs. 
just doing a regular book. Because actually there were fewer and fewer books. <laughs> like when I started, there was 120 books out during the summer that I, that I left the Raider program. Out of Marvel alone. Out of Marvel alone. Yeah, yeah that was it. So it was all hands on deck. The, it still hadn't sunk into everybody that Turok number one had sold a million, but that's really, we're talking the last part of this. I have a couple like of those. Whatever, yeah, whatever <laughs> the retailers had sunk into Turok number one and Superman dying, what had happened is that they, they that a lot of their money was tied up in Turok sitting there and 400 copies of Turok and no one buying it. Not to single out Turok, but but what was happening is that things were sliding down as soon as I stepped in the, the door. I think because <laughs> I remember the Superman, the Superman dying was I was still selling videotapes door to door. One of the stores that I went into to drop off a videotape was actually at a comic store, and I was like, oh, I remember these. It, it, it was such a different life, and I was like, I still want to be a cartoonist, you know. And I was like, what's big? And they were like, Superman died, and I picked up the book, and I was and it was like the fourth printing. It was crazy yeah. that it was the fourth printing. So anyway, as soon as I stepped in the door, everything was on the decline. I I should have dropped out of college. Really, <laughs> that should have happened. But I, I uh, but I didn't, you didn't know it. I mean, I remember doing. I remember drawing, penciling a page of cable, and the royalty on it was five hundred bucks. And I had not done the layout, which meant like if I had just penciled over the layouts, I would have gotten ten grand for that that issue. The the amount of money that all the twenty ninety nine stuff, the Punisher twenty ninety nine was the last million seller that Marvel ever had, and and I, 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 I Tom Morgan to this day, like I, I remember cornering him at some party and going like, what was that like, you know? And he's like, well. <laughs> You know, it's incredible. Like he's like, I had a, a you know a wedding. We flew out to Hawaii for the the. You know what I mean? And I still had like thirty grand left over. Like, Amazing. you know, it's just crazy. Like, you know, when you get a royalty of like sixty or seventy grand off of one month's worth of work, that doesn't exist anymore. No. You know what I mean? Uh, that's that's me busting my ass for like two years. Do you know what I mean? like, See. So- <laughs> Let's continue with you getting a, a sense of your rep. Yo, yeah. Well, what happened was, is I, I, what happened was, <laughs> <laughs> so I had been inking, and I and I was really good at matching styles. Yeah. And what started to happen was that things were always late, and it's I don't know when it started exactly because I would always just pick up a, a couple pages here, a couple pages there. Someone would say, you know, they would see me in the office and they would go, oh, hey, we need the last eight pages of Black Wolf to be, you know, all the rats have jumped off the ship and we need the thing done tonight. Mm -hmm. And I would say, sure, you know, and I lived in New York and I would, I was in the office like twice, three times a week. And I would just, I would come in, I would stay up all night, you know, I would stay up all week or whatever it was. I remember not sleeping for 53 hours once and then going to some party afterwards. And the thing was, is like... I would just work and work and work. I lived alone, and uh, I would just get the things done, and then I would hand stuff in. And I wasn't really thinking of a career as such. I was just happy to be in comics mm-hmm. and happy to be, at that point, inking. But I'd, I'd, been, I'd wanted to get back to penciling, and I'd started doing skate around that time. So I started doing skate in, like, 98. And skate was your creator own. Yeah, it was my own thing. It was, it was, and but the thing was, it was always squeezed for time. You know, I would, I would do a page every couple weeks 
because I, I just couldn't. And also I was learning too. I was learning how I wanted to set up a page and how I wanted to, to set up the design on the characters and the backgrounds. Like I wanted the backgrounds to be very uh, Roman architecture kind of thing because the way that skateboard kids, they love um, <laughs> they, they love all these public works buildings, you know, the ones with stairs and the yeah. ones with lots of, you know, wheelchair access things because it's in, in bars. And so, I mean, I, I tried to take all those pillars and all those stairs and really just use that as the background and i was really working on like how i wanted things to happen a little too much overthinking i was overthinking but i, I was that was the john ramita kicking in yeah be, well john that's my weakness is i do overthink these things and and uh especially i really felt for john like emotionally like not the way that like I was kind of terrified of Joe, <laughs> you know, but like, uh, and Will, I kind of, uh, we just wound up lock, locking horns, but I really wanted to be like Will for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then John, I learned, I think, just how to deal with how I approach things emotionally and survive in the business. Because all these guys, what I was really interested in is that they survived. They were, they were there for a long, long time. And uh, I thought, well, I want to be in this for a long, long time. I don't. I watched enough guys, you know, stick their head up at the foxhole and have it just shot clean <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, and it's like I'm not going to have that happen to me. I kept my head down. You yeah. know? And even part of inking was keeping my head down. Like I, it wasn't my. I wasn't responsible for the style. Do you know what I mean? Like I wasn't responsible for a lot of things. Well, let me ask you this. this gonna, we're going to jump off a little bit, but there's it, only because it occurs to me. Professionally, you're keeping your head under the fox while you don't want to yeah. get it blown off. Yeah. But you also, based on, you know, you have, you have at least your own personal history of, of verbally going at people and not, no. being, not being on the defensive. Well, personally, like yeah. in between, but never with editors. I was never like a dick, was so I? So why? No, no, no. But that's what I'm saying. Is like, how did, where is that disconnect on? Well, it, what it is is that I'm tamping down my emotions constantly, and they come out sideways. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what happens. Is I literally like day to day, if I'm doing like, a, I mean, I'm not really happy inking that much anymore. Keith, right. I'm happy with. Like for some reason on OMAC, like it's not even a problem. But that's mostly and like breakdowns and finishes, right? The Keith stuff. Keith stuff is actually pretty tight. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keith, Keith's really good about stuff. Keith's stuff is is interesting because at one point when I was a kid, I wanted to draw like Keith. So I remember like trying to draw. That was in college. Oh, so that's touching into a, an emotional. It an is. Emotional it touches thing. into like I knew like I'm familiar enough with his stuff and and, and also I loved the fact that he was vaguely crazy. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, well, because it was clear with the, each page that he was he was really like in the moment and really just going at it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there was no like. There was no calculating. Like sometimes you would look at his stuff and go, he just did this as there was like a momentary thought. You know what I mean? Like, and he never let that thought go until the page was done. And then he was done with that thought because the next page is crazier. So, I mean, there was an element of like jealousy, like, you know, because I'm like, wow, he can let things go. Like he can really just really focus intensely on them and then they're gone. And I can't do that. Like I focus intensely on something, but I'm. You get lost in it. I get lost in it. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I recognize it in George because George does the same thing. I think Mm -hmm. Uh, talking to George, I can tell. Just this is my guess. 
George, in order to quiet himself down, obsesses over his pages. I, th- I think that that's because he's literally a mile a minute. And I thought, well, I recognize that, too, because he's a mile a minute. Ron Lim's the same. Ron's kind of a mile a minute. And uh, uh, I recognize as a child, in order to quiet myself down, I would sit and draw. And you pour all the, the little detail and all the world building into that effort. So... But I, I was not happy inking. I was not. I was not very happy. I, what was happening was that I wanted to do skate. The more I did it, the more I was happy and more confident with each page. And I was like, "Oh, this is working out pretty well." And I started showing it around, and um, and I was happy with that. And then what was happening concurrently was that I wasn't on any regular books. Even in the industry, I, you would go from having a run of 10 or 12 issues to 6 or 4, or, and then it was down to 2, and then it was like, can you do this, what if? And then, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Then it was like, can you do these three pages overnight? And I think that what happened was everybody was comfortable enough having me do three or four pages, and it was it was okay. Like I would do like eight pages that week, but they'd be on three different books, and I was doing three different styles, you know, like I'd try to be like a, well, everyone wanted to be like a Tim Townsend. Yeah, Townsend, you know what I mean? Like everybody <laughs> wanted Tim Townsend to ink whatever book it was. Yeah. You can't get Tim Townsend to ink every book, but you can get a whole bunch of people to draw to ink like Tim like Townsend. Like Tim Townsend. So, I mean, that was it. Like I, I had, you know, it wasn't like I had a style that was specifically that, but I knew that when you're inking over pencilers who want Tim Townsend to ink over them, they draw in a particular way. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they have these little, they, everyone looks at comics and they think the final product is how you draw. So like what would happen is that little ticks that Tim would have wound up in the pencils of a guy who would look at that book and go, wow, that's fantastic. Cause right. Tim had all these little ticks where he would, and even, um, I forget there was one guy, it might've been Panosian had this little tick, uh, where it was a line and then a dot, like a line and then a dot, you know what I mean? He almost like punctuated. Yeah. T-Bear sort of did that too. used to do that. Yeah. It was a little punctuation mark almost, you know, it was like, he was like, that's the line and I'm done with it. Like, (laughs) it's weird, you know? So, but what happened, it was the pencilers would pick it up and they would start drawing that line and then the dot, you know what I mean? Line and the dot. And, And so as an inker, I'm like, oh, I'm familiar with that. It's, it's the way that. T-Bear would sit there and go, he would punctuate every line. So you can follow this kind of stuff. And it's not as if everyone's hand is slightly different, but it's it's not as if there's like 10 inches in between. You know what I mean? It's every, everything that there are a whole bunch of guys that you, you can draw with your, with your, with your wrist. You can draw with your fingers. You can yeah. draw with your elbow. You can draw with your, you know, any pivot, any pivot point that you've got. So there are guys that focus on one particular pivot point. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Tim Townsend kind of group, they would pivot just off of maybe some wrist, but it often a lot of it was the action was in their their um, fingers. Yeah, in their fingers. So it's a tiny, it's a short line. You know what I mean? It's not a long drawn out line. Like uh, Klaus is pretty good at mixing it up. And there's there are a few guys that are conscious of using different different pivot points. Like a Mark Farmer, who's clearly just clearly wrist yeah, and, yeah, and like lot, flow yeah. going on oh, there. Oh God, his stuff is fantastic, it's gorgeous. I mean, yeah, it really is. Because he's imagine. such a smooth line. Yeah. It's it's almost like it's butter. Yeah, I mean it's just no, a it is. It's beautiful. Line. Yeah, it's a beautiful line. And I think he got it from from really uh, catching lots of flack from. Uh, because he really only inks over Alan. Alan, yeah. And I think Alan, uh, from well, his what pencils I saw are an super where smooth. Alan just crushed him into that position. <laughs> no, his pencil, I mean, I know uh, Paul Neary was inking him for a long yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Also a very smooth line. Paul, 
Yeah, I guess. His pencils are, are interesting because they're not smooth at all. If you've ever seen his pencils. I haven't seen I was a lot a of them. Captain America fan, and he was penciling some stuff for a while. Yeah, that's a funny That's a funny one. And he was also, he wound up, he was sort of, I think he was inking in order to, I think Neary was inking in order to just get stuff done because he was the editor over there, too. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Like, for God's sakes, get it in. I'm taking what they're giving because I'm working for a living. So we'll stop right there for now, and we'll pick the conversation up in part two, which again should be up in a couple of weeks, or if you're listening to this after the fact, it's available right now. You can go listen to it. Um, it didn't sound too bad, right? The audio quality? I hope not, because uh, <laughs> there's another episode coming recorded the same way, so the audio quality is going to be just like that. Although little teaser. Part 2's got something uh, different. Something that hasn't happened yet in an episode of Stuff Said. Speaking of different, if you go to StuffSaidShow.com, under this particular episode, there's bonus materials, show notes. There's going to be a video that you can watch or link to. You can leave comments at the site. You can listen to past shows at the site. If you like the show and haven't yet, uh, subscribe in iTunes. You just search Stuff Said. It'll pop up. You can leave a review there. I like positive reviews. I'll take a positive review if you got one. Email me, stuffsaid at gmail.com. And here's a bit of info. Here, this, is, this is cool. My friends at Acme Comics in Greensboro, North Carolina, a tremendous comic shop that uh, nice enough to supply me with most of my comic books. I pay for them. They're not just giving me free comics. Everyone relax. Anyway, besides running a great comic book shop, they also do a podcast. It's called The Acme Cast. It might just be Acme Cast. If you search it on iTunes, you'll be able to find it. But you don't even need to do that. You can just go to acmewaveprojector.com. Once there, you'll be in the Acme Wave Projector podcast network. Podcast network is a conglomeration of shows. So at the Acme Wave Projector, you get the Acme Cast, which is the sort of the shop's show. So it's the staff of the store talking about latest news and comics, new releases, what's coming out, etc. It's a weekly show. It's quite good in terms of uh, that style of show. It's uh, it's one I listen to, so I'm not I'm not plugging it uh, willy nilly. Uh, there's also a show on there called Instant Depths which is a movie review show, watching movies on Netflix Instant. And now, Stuff Said is part of the Acme Wave Projector Network. So you can listen to the show there, or if, if there's bleed over, if you listen to this show and you say, I want more comic book-related content, listen to the Acme cast. It's a different kind of show with a different type of uh, point of view, but no less knowledgeable about what they're talking about. These guys are on the sort of uh, boots on the ground selling comic books and and really dealing with it on on that level. Uh, And I hope to have uh, both Jermaine and Steven, the manager and assistant manager of that store, on Stuff Said at some point, just a matter of working out those logistics. Anyway, that's acmewaveprojector.com, stuffsaidshow.com, internet, websites, blah, blah, blah. 
that's about all the stuff I have to say this time around. Part two coming soon on the next Stuff Said.